Hello and thanks for joining us for this Mersey Waves podcast. My name's Sarah and I'm part of Liverpool City Council's communications team. For all of us, life has changed dramatically over the last few weeks. We've had to change our usual routines and do things a bit differently. This could have really been a time when we all become introspective with a real focus on ourselves and the impact COVID-19 is having on us. And there has been an element of that. I mean, we're only human after all. But there has been an outpouring of support, appreciation and thanks to those key workers who are continuing to go about their daily jobs and make a real difference to the lives of others. Standing outside our front doors, leaning out of windows or standing on balconies on a Thursday night, applauding NHS workers and carers is now part of our new routine. We of course have always valued these people, but it seems in these coronavirus times it's more important than ever for us to stand side by side and say thank you at a socially safe distance, of course. Today, I'm joined by two NHS staff who are fighting coronavirus on the front line to find out how they are adjusting to new ways of working and what constitutes normal life for them at the moment. I'll be chatting with Katie Darnell, who is a cardiac nurse specialist at Alderhey Children's Hospital, but has been redeployed to its paediatric intensive care unit where she was formerly a sister. I'll also be joined by Marie-Claire Blenkinsop, or Maz, as she prefers to be known, who is an infectious disease advanced nurse practitioner and high consequence infectious disease PPE lead at the Royal Liverpool University Hospital. Hi both and welcome to the Mersey Waves podcast. Firstly, let me say a huge thank you to you both for taking time out of what I'm sure are pretty hectic schedules for you both at the moment. The first question I'll direct at both of you, but I'll start with you, Maz, if that's okay. On a professional level, When did coronavirus start to be a topic of conversation for you and your colleagues? Because I'm guessing for you it was pretty early because the Royals Infectious Disease Unit was only one of four or five in the early days dealing with COVID cases. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, the, the, The Royal Liverpool Hospital now, obviously the Liverpool Foundation Hospital Trust, Um, is one of four or five hospitals in the whole of the country that can take high consequence infectious diseases. Um, So for us, any sort of emerging new viruses or any emerging um, concerns and and illnesses and bacteria and anything that we may worry may spread and cause a a pandemic um, gets highlighted, obviously, uh, through to us, through WHO and Public Health England quite early on. So we were probably aware that there was an an ongoing issue in China um, probably towards the end of last year. We, We were quite aware that there was potentially... Um, an issue arising out there, a concern that we needed to maybe keep an eye on um, to worry about it coming over um, to ourselves. Um, in, in terms of us starting to get ourselves ready, I think quite early on we were planning that from the beginning of this year, so early January. We were very much involved um, with the returnees from that went to Arrow Park on the Wirral in the quarantine facility over there. So we were worked quite closely with the Wirral University Teaching Hospital um, to provide our expertise and knowledge um, over there as well and supporting that unit. They were doing swab um, tests yeah. there, weren't they? So that we went cool. over, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we, we, Wirral did a really, really good job. They had this excellent quarantine facility. Um, 
and all we were sort of going over to do was you know share our, our expertise as a high consequence infectious diseases unit and um, support them and then when it came to taking the swabs you know we, we have this very specific regime and how you should safely take a swab without contaminating yourself or anyone else so um, we went we took a team over and helped facilitate the swab taking of over well nearly 100 uh, residents over in, in Arrow Park um, and to ensure it was done safely but we were also in, in discussions with the high consequence infectious disease network um, in place and any of the new positives that came into the country because at first we were obviously trying to contain it um, and reduce the spread the best we can and that's where our high consequence infectious diseases network comes into place um, and that's where we sit within that within the country so for us we've been dealing with this since the end of last year <laughs> so um, oh. probably, probably six months now we've been dealing with coronavirus or COVID-19 as it's now known. How about you Katie? Um, for me obviously it's very different um, I'm more office-based in my other job but obviously been more recently deployed to uh, back to ICU um, we probably started hearing about it more in kind of in January February time that it was coming and there was a lot of preparations getting made within the hospital and you know as week by week obviously that was progressing um, obviously our clinics were getting changed and, and as from ICU's point of view I think everyone was trying to get fit tested for the masks um, making sure that everyone had um, training on how to put the appropriate PPE on and that was like that went massive you know trying to get 100% sort of compliance for the whole hospital um, so that did go mad from probably March March time um, so I probably not heard of it as much you know as far back as Baz um, the only other thing to say is that we've had what we felt was coronavirus on the unit for a long, long time. So when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, we've had that for years, you know, but obviously it's a different strain and a very different um, kettle of fish. So at, fir at first we probably didn't panic so much from a staff point of view, but then obviously it progressed quite quickly. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, it really. Yeah, it must feel like a very long time regardless of when you started really. Yeah. Did, did yeah. you feel prepared emotionally and professionally? For this, start with you, Katie. Right. Um, I think for me, um, obviously, I left uh, left ICU five uh, five months ago, um, and it was a very big decision because I've been there for eighteen years. Um, left to do a different role, and then to then have to back again for the last five weeks has been really yeah emotionally draining, physically draining. Um, obviously, we got adults, which is obviously a huge change for Alder Hay. We we nursed eleven adults in total. Um, so that was preparing for that was very different because you know nursing a child to an adult is very different so a lot of the staff were very stressed we've got a lot of young staff a lot of inexperienced staff um, but everyone really has done amazingly well the hospital has come together amazingly well um, you know we've had staff from wars that have never worked on ICU and they've been helping us we've been supporting them um, so I think yeah the preparation was amazing I thought Alder Hay did a great job actually um, you know, the PPE that they got ready so quickly, the infection control team, they just seem to have it under control so quickly. Uh, yeah, I think we all feel, I feel, felt very prepared, I would say. Um, how, about, how about you, Maz? That sounds similar. Yeah, um, I think we, as an infectious diseases unit, we are always trying to be prepared. Well, we are prepared for this kind of, you know, this kind of situation, this kind of um, 
virus coming into us you know we have looked after monkeypox and we have looked after mares before so in terms of you know mentally where we were we prepared for what we thought might was going to happen? Yes, you know, at the time our staff were trained, we had a very vigorous training session. Um, we, you know, we, we ensure that's standardised, we, you know, through, through to the doctors, the nurses, we have plenty of standard operating procedures about to ensure, you know, safely these patients can arrive at our hospital and be moved around the hospital safely. Um, and we've worked quite closely with Alder Hay as well and, and the um, IPC guys and the ID team at Alder Hay. Um, and we've been working with them for the last 18 months, really ensuring um, that they're trained up to this standard because they work with us from a children's point of view. So we, yeah, we, 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 within our unit, we're ready, but I don't think what we expect is, is, is the sheer volume and how, how big it's got and how quickly that's got um, and having to think outside of our just our infectious diseases unit you, you know very quickly we realized that we weren't going to be able to just look after these patients in our infectious diseases unit you know we are a large unit we have over 30 beds um, you know we are one of the biggest units within the region for infectious diseases um, and, and all our specialties that we've got here um, but I don't I don't think we realized quite quickly like how we needed to get this training out to everybody and, and what what we did very quickly is we've linked up with our infection control here um, and we have as a trust um, you know with the trust executives and, and the senior nursing team really really ploughed into making sure everyone's been trained getting training packages out um, and, and, and still continuously trying to, to achieve training across the trust um, it has been tiring and it has been has been difficult especially with the constant changes in in what we should or shouldn't do um and i think mentally it's it's been tiring because you know it, it's it's constant it's 24 hours a day it's not just you know look at making sure my staff and, and my infectious diseases unit are, are safe it's the whole hospital you, you feel like you almost have um an ownership and responsibility to make sure all the staff are safe regardless of whether they're a nurse or a doctor security or healthcare or you want everybody to be safe so emotionally and that's draining and that's tiring because you're constantly going home thinking you know ha have I done it right have I done something right do I need do I need to ring in and make sure I've contacted this this group of people to make sure they're aware of what's going on it, it's very difficult yeah it sounds it sounds quite stressful to be honest uh, I mean how do you cope with those stresses mm. I, mean, I mean I hear stories about the hospitals putting really great things in place so yeah, making sure staff are getting free lunches, free parking. They just try to find little things to make life that mm. little bit easier for staff, which is so important at these times, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we've had all that. We've had, um, obviously, free, free lunches and free teas and free parking. has been great. I just feel like there's a real community spirit amongst the staff because, you know, everyone is really willing to help. We've got yellow helpers. We've got, like the other day, I was working with a, a secretary from ophthalmology and she was actually on the front line on our unit um, helping people get ready to go into the COVID pod um, and I just thought that was amazing I just thought you know to stand up like that and help us out was just brilliant very brave because it is emotionally draining and it's very daunting walking onto the ICU when you've never been there before and I guess it um, looks yeah. different now to what you're used to as well because everybody is yeah, very differently dressed yeah you can't recognize anybody <laughs> Yeah, that's like in itself is quite difficult. You don't know who anyone is and we're all wearing scrubs now, which, you know, we, we had different, you know, identifiable uniforms. And we're all wearing pretty much the same. Um, but as the weeks have gone on, we've improved that. We've now got stickers with, you know, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're a healthcare. Um, so there is change. Every week it does change. 
um, little little tweaks and yeah, it's just very, it's brilliant. It's been very good, I think. But you yeah, it, it is emotionally draining. You find in that mass as well. Yeah, I mean, we've had a, a real big, um, a, a real big influx of volunteers, similar to um, Katie's just said there. We've had um, vets coming in to help be trained up in PPE, to be PPE That's champions cool. and advocates. We've got um, dental students coming in, you know, um, trainees coming in. Um, we've got our, our student nurses are in the last six months now coming onto the wards and, and being trained up. And I, and I just think... Um, and, and volunteers, you know, people just wanting to help out. It, it, it has really been overwhelming. Um, and I think it's been like, you know, like I said, a true community spirit and a true, um, I just think it's, I don't know, it's such an achievement to have such in Liverpool, this, and I'm sure it's up and down the whole country, this, this support network of people who just want to help in these times. And it doesn't matter what that person is doing. Every little thing that everyone's doing is really, really being helpful. And it might just be like, you know, you walk past someone and they smile, you know, in these challenging times, just have someone to, to sit there and say, are you okay? That, that's just really important, um, I think, to the morale of the staff and, and what's going on in the Trust. Yeah, you, you mentioned community spirit there and I think 8pm on a Thursday night we see that in spades <laughs> yeah. don't we? I mean for yeah. me as someone who goes out and claps and I'm not part of the NHS I feel emotional being part of that how does it feel when this is directed at you what is that like? Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing I've driven home and actually arrived home at eight o'clock and it's you just feel like a hero it's lovely it's very emotionally draining that your kids get my kids have been getting involved and it's just lovely. My family are very proud. It's, it is very, it's lovely. It's all worth it. I mean, we've, this is a job we've always done anyway. Um, you know, it's a very rewarding job. It's a very sad job at times, but I think this is just, it's making it even nicer. Just to be appreciated is, is very nice, especially when Alder Hayes had some hard times in the last couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's just echoing really what Katie said. Um, you know, we, we we come into work in the NHS or into any healthcare, and we don't really expect to be called heroes and be applauded. We just go and do something that we we enjoy doing. It we're passionate about. You know, everyone I work with within healthcare just wants to do the best they can for for the patients that they see, regardless of of what's going on. So it seems a little bit odd now that we're all being clapped, and it is so overwhelming. And I'm like, oh God, you know. Why are they clapping for me? And and I stand there and I clap and I clap for everybody in the, in who's working in healthcare. But then I also clap for all those essential workers that are keeping us yeah. going. You know, my son's still having to go to school, um, because my husband also works within the NHS and is an essential worker as well. So he's still going to school. So I clap for the teachers. You know that yeah. he's able to do that. I clap for the food delivery. I clap for the shops. Um, so. I, th I think everybody at the moment who's still out there and having to do their normal jobs is is a hero. To be honest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not just for us. Uh, you know, you do feel that it's not just for us. It's for all the other essential workers out there. You both touched upon your families there. How do you, I mean, Maz, is probably a slightly different view of your husband's in the profession as well, but how do your families feel about you doing this role? When I first started doing this um, back, like back in January, so when we first went out there with the first wave that came in, um, it was quite difficult at first in terms of, you know, understanding what, coronaviruses what COVID-19 is you know like Katie mentioned we've had lots of coronaviruses before um we just haven't had this 
this strain and, and this situation as it is. Um, and I was very much like, you know, it's fine. I'm okay. I work in infectious diseases. I've looked after, you know, MERS, which is also, you know, a, a respiratory virus and has a high mortality rate. Um, and, I, you know, my son was like, really, I didn't, I took it for granted, I think, that he was okay. I was going off to Arrow Park to the quarantine facility, doing my normal job. And he actually got a little bit upset. He's 12. And he was having these dreams. And when I finally spoke to him, he just said, I keep seeing on the news, you're going to die. Why, why are you looking after coronavirus? You're going to die. And I had to really sit down and chat to him and say, no, no, I'm okay. I'm fine. You know, and I made a bit of a joke and I was like, this is what I do. And, and he laughed it off going, oh, this is me mum. This is what I do. But I just took it for granted, I think, that he just accepted that yeah. I would go to work and put myself forward and he would be okay with it. But actually, he wasn't okay with it. Yeah. Um, and it took us several weeks to actually for him to calm down and, and get to a point now where he's like, okay, it's fine. You know, I had to tell him I was safe. I had to show him what I was using, the PPA I was using. Um, the training I do um, and I, I know explain I've done it before and I've looked after much you know, worse things and he's, he's okay now but back back in sort of January I just took for granted that my youngest son would be fine with it and he really wasn't. Yeah. Katie how about yeah, like he's your at that kids? age isn't he? Yeah, your, yeah. I believe your kids um, yeah, are I mean... very special poster for you in your window <laughs> yeah because um yeah i came home from one of my first shifts back on icu and they put on the window um our mummy is our nhs hero and it's it made me cry and me first out crying in the uh, driveway um but my, i mean mine are six and three and the little one he's got no clue whatsoever um his behavior changed a little bit so i don't know if maybe he did understand it a little bit but i have no idea but the older one she's she just she just thinks I go and look after sick babies, so she's not got much idea. Um, I think they're at a better age. I think 12 is more difficult because they can see what's going on. I mean, I try not to let her watch much on the new, you know, see any snippets on the tellies so she's not too scared because I think it is quite scary, the PPE. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I've just tried to keep and them out. I think out social media doesn't help. No, it doesn't. I think social media, that really didn't help. And 12, you know, he's in the first year secondary school and all the friends have got, you know, phones on them and they can constantly see all these terrible stories coming through about what's like evolving in front of them and yeah I just completely missed how he might feel and all of this I was like I'm fine you know this is what I've always done I'm an infectious disease nurse specialist I'm an advanced yeah. nurse practitioner I've worked in infectious diseases for 14 years I'm okay mm. I just forgot that he actually has never really had enough understanding to know what I do no which I think, I think is my, perfectly understandable in these yeah. circumstances yeah. I think my, uh, my mum and dad are in their 70s and I think they've been more worried about me and I've specifically said to them as soon as I go back to ICU I'm not coming anywhere near you just because they're, you know, they're older um, you know, and that was like right at the start um, but yeah I know that I can see on their faces they're very worried about me when they hear about you know, staff in the NHS passing away and, but they, they're okay I just reassure them constantly that I'm okay Good. Do you have any semblance of a normal life outside your shifts? Or are you just too exhausted? Uh, um, I mean, just try to keep as much normality as we can. My little boy still goes to nursery, but my little girl, we've kept her out of school just because my husband is at home, um, but he is working. So it's very, diff it's very difficult. The homeschooling is difficult. Um, you know, I've got a toddler. He doesn't understand. Um, yeah, it's, we just try to keep it as normal. Get out of the house once a day, have a nice walk. Um, go to the shops once a week it's, we're just trying to keep it as normal as we can for them how about you Mars? yeah we do have we do have rest time <laughs> good, good. 
Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think we are. Um, me and my husband are a bit like passing ship shift, um, passing ships. Sorry, really. Um, you know, he works shifts. Um, I work very long days. So we do when we're both off. Try and have some normality. Obviously, we can't go and do anything anywhere um, at the moment. But like, you know, we both enjoy the gym. We both enjoy fitness. So, you know. Thankfully, the weather's been a little bit nice to us. So when we have had a bit of time, we've been in the garden doing a bit of fitness together, just trying to spend that time together. Um, taking taking my youngest out on, on a bike just for that. You know, Alary is allowed to go for a ride. Is to, you know, get him out of the house as well. Um, and I've got done found a lot of things to do online. Um, my gym is is a really good like sort of little. It's a little community gym. It's a small gym. It's not a big gym, but we've got a really good network, and they're putting live sort of Zoom um, classes up every day, twice a day. And I've just been dialing in and still doing my workout in my kitchen. They gave us all sort of weights and bars to go home, so we can still try and keep fit when we can. Um, so I'm still trying to do that as well, um, just to keep a bit of normality. But not not we're not normal in terms of what we're normally doing. We are tired. Um, we're both drained. Um, and we miss seeing people, um, yeah. to be honest. We've got, you know, miss seeing our family and friends like everybody out there is at the moment. My youngest, he plays football and we've got a really close football family and friends that we've mm-hmm. known for lots and lots and lots of years. And we're, we're, we're so used to seeing them, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, you know, Friday, the cricket this time of year, we go to the cricket club, the kids train. We've got a nice social social area where we can have a barbecue um, and then the weekend football. And, and we haven't got that. We can't do that. So... It, yeah, we're really missing out on seeing people. I'm finding that a bit difficult. I'm quite a social person. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. One final question. If you were just to say one thing, one bit of advice to anyone listening now about the current situation we're in, what would that be? Everyone just keep themselves safe. Um, you know, Mentally try and just get a bit of fresh air, keep themselves focused, even if it's just in their own garden. Um, use internet like Zoom or phone, telephone or WhatsApp as much as they can to speak to people if they really, you know, for that support network just for communication. But uh, yeah, just try and follow the guidelines, the, the government guidelines the best we can. Um, and then hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we, we should be coming out of this soon. But I think if we just <laughs> stay positive and stay focused, then we can all get through this. Thank you so much. It's been really wonderful to talk to you both. Um, you both did an incredible, invaluable jobs. And uh, thank you on behalf of everyone. And thank stay you. safe. Oh, thank thank you. you. That's the end of this episode. And hopefully that has given you a small insight into how life is for some of our NHS frontline staff who are doing an amazing job in such unusual circumstances. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep up to date with the latest information, advice and guidance on coronavirus, You can visit liverpool.gov.uk forward slash coronavirus or search for COVID Liverpool on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to drop the Mersey Waves team a line, maybe you've got some suggestions for future episodes, why not send an email to hello at merseywaves.co.uk.